Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Um, before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to my patrons. Thank you for your support. Without you, we wouldn't be here. And to all our new listeners today, we invite you to join us if you can. You know, for as little as $3 a month, you can help us push this podcast to the next level and help us continue to build community. And if you want to do a one-time donation, hey, you can also do that on Patreon, any amount you want. You know, if you can spare up to 100 million like Jeff Bezos, we welcome that. We're not going to say no. So uh, we have a lot of stuff we're going to do down the line. You know, we're going to expand the team. So, yes, we welcome every donation counts. Um, we also have T-shirts being made by vetclothing.com. So whatever your color is, go over there, vetclothing.com. Get your T-shirts, White Label American Podcast. You get it there. And if you can't get the T-shirts and, you know, join us on Patreon right now, you can always go on Apple or iTunes or Apple Podcast or iTunes and give us five stars and write a positive review. And you can do that as many times as possible and push us up the algorithm, help us go up as, as high as possible because we're competing with... A lot of big podcasters who got money, who got, you know, large sponsors behind them. So it's tough for the independent podcaster like myself, you know. So help a brother out there, okay? Um, keep liking, sharing, and subscribing. Share with your friends. Share on social media. Push us out there. So with that being said, I have the honor and the pleasure of introducing a super uh, duper awesome guest, who the first time I heard this brother, I was like, man, this guy, this guy's voice alone is, is just, you know, I got to bring this man here. And then I found out he's a great storyteller. I was like, wow. And then I found out he's a content creator. I'm like, wow. Then I found out he's also into educating. I was like, wow. And then I found out he has soccer skills. I was like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, this this man, he's also a philosopher. I'm like, what, what, what? Where, where is this man going? And then I found out he might be one of the tallest people I know too. That's a different thing entirely, but you know, I just had to throw that in there. But um, yes, today's guest is a special brother. First time I've had somebody in this part of the world, and it's a part of the world I should have visited while I was in the Navy, but um, I would say different. I'll tell you why I didn't go there. I was so ignorant back then. But um, without much being said, I welcome Siaji Otieno, better known as Dikikombe, and he will give, break all that down to us. And he's, a, he's into photography, videography, voiceovers, storytelling, he has the skills of an MC. He's a co-host of um, the African Proverbs, Daily Proverbs on Clubhouse. He's a content creator, YouTuber, everything, everything creative. This brother got it. So welcome, my brother. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I think after that kind of intro, man, I'm... <laughs> 
I think I'm feeling blessed. I, I don't even know if I'm saying I'm doing it great. I think I'm showered with all these compliments of blessings. I, I almost can imagine why you call yourself white label American, man. You've thrown in all these labels on me, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. I cannot tell you. But first of all, before I say how I'm doing, um, I have to apologize to anybody who's listening in. Oh, no, no, no it's, it's not life. No, you, don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. It's not life. It's I'm going to I'm gonna apologize to anybody oh. who will listen to this later <laughs> and be disappointed <laughs> with that kind of intro if it doesn't live up to the expectations. <laughs> but I'm doing great. And thank you for asking, brother. Oh, it's all good. It's all good, my brother. Yeah, um, man. The honor is all mine. You know, we, we I love having people from you know when i started this podcast i the initial goal was to only have um the initial plan was to have just immigrants in the new york space and people who are found interesting to come up here and break down artificial walls using their experience to um help us learn and you know the pandemic happened and you know immigrants all around the world got stories got experiences that we could all learn from and that's how the podcast expanded and that's why I'm, I'm blessed to be able to reach out to you where you are today. So, uh, let's dive in. And before we go to your origins, well, as part of your origins, you have two beautiful names, Siaji Otieno. Yeah. I said it right. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, man. Okay, I, keep, yeah. I keep, I love it. You should see the like, smile did did on I, my face. I, I, I almost have messed it up there. So, <laughs> can can you break down the the meanings of Siagio uh, Tieno and then the Kikombe that we all know you by? You know. So let's yeah. start with Siagio Tieno first. What, what, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think it's fair to start with Siagio Tieno. Uh, I will start with Otieno because it's fairly easy. Okay. To state. Otieno, it comes from our Luo tribe. Mm. Uh, the Luo are some Nilots. Uh, there were Nilots along the Nile, the Nile River of Africa. Oh. And the word Otieno actually means uh, born at night. So oh. um, our okay. customs say that you're, you're sometimes named based on the season or the time of day or uh, somebody that you were born after, if it's a grandfather or grandmother. Yes. Um, and so it happens that I was born at night. Oh. And so my name became Otieno. O, the O of Otieno, the O signifies that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a male uh, oh. child. If, if it was Atieno, then that is the lady that was born at night. My oh. daughter is actually Atieno because she was born at night. Interestingly, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So Otieno means uh, I was born at night, and it means, you know, that was a time of day I was born. Um, yeah, there are so many diverse names, you know. Uh, but the other name is actually very interesting, Siaji. Siaji is, um, from what I understand, brother, Siaji mm. means the blessed one. Mm. So I've got blessings coming with me. I have no idea what the origin of the name is. Yeah. But I can tell you that in Kenya, if I hear somebody called Siaji, immediately it rings to me that this is somebody I'm either related to or somebody from a very close origin to my circle. Wow. Um, I'd be, yes, you would be very surprised um, at the few people called Siaji in, in Kenya. Wow, that's fascinating. 
So it's, it's, it's not like a tribal name that just anybody no. other. So it has to be it's very unique. Really, wow, okay. it's very unique to a certain set groups of people. Either yeah. it's because of my big head, I have no idea. Um, either it's because of my height, uh, don't mention it, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's very unique to a very set group of people from, wow. from, from Kenya. And interestingly, I've got to tell you this, mm-hmm. I traveled to Southeast Asia and I found people or somebody called Siaji in Indonesia. Yes, yes, that 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 is not a surprise to me. And it's, it means teacher. Apparently, teacher. apparently it oh. means teacher or somebody with oh. a lot of, of, of knowledge. So either it's a sort of like poetic justice yeah. that that I became a, an educator, which again I've just uh, disclosed it, uh, or I don't know, like it's just destiny beckoning me in some sort of way. Wow. You see, that, yeah. that, that's why I'm so happy that I adopted this question and added it. Because when I began the podcast, this wasn't part of the questions that were on my mind to ask. And it wasn't even a question that I used to ask a few years ago. Because if I used to ask this question a few years ago, I probably would have named my daughter from my daughter's well, maybe she would have had like seven names <laughs> she probably yeah is a good name yeah yeah is a good name so, brother <laughs> but now, now that i i think back because the only thing i my daughter was born on a thursday so i took that from the ghanaian roots so she's yeah because she's that's mm. born on a thursday um i was born i on, love that i was born on monday so i'm kojo so cool i yeah, love that yeah and, I love uh, that. Yeah, those are the two days I remember. Because you know, <laughs> okay. my, 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 I was with my Ghanaian boy on on Friday, and he was telling me because uh, he, he just had his daughter, and he told me I yeah. think she was born on Saturday. I keep forgetting. I'm I, 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 Is it Amma or Aya? I'm something. I forgot. Amma, it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not me, so I don't remember anything. It's not me, I, don't I remember when I need to remember, you know. And it will come. Yeah, it will come. But it, it's so beautiful how. Sometimes we see the connections, you know. There are so many threads that connect us with other places, and I love yeah, how you, see, you saw Siaji. Because I wouldn't be surprised if at one point in time I've seen a Siaji also from another continent. And you know, very, but very, it's just like I wouldn't place, you know, I wouldn't register it. But the moment you said mm-hmm. you've seen Siaji in, in with in someone Indonesia. from Indonesia, I was like, no, if- I'm not surprised. It didn't surprise me. It didn't come as a shock to yeah. me because yeah. I, I, I'm not someone in that part of the world. Yeah. And it, it was I've in Indonesia, me. and I think I saw another one in Nepal. Nepal. Weirdly, oh. in Nepal. Yeah. Nice. Uh, very, you know, very weird. Um, but, you know, I, I'm sure there's a story behind it. Um, and perhaps this should be one of my projects, you yeah. know? Hey, yeah. That would be a lovely project, you know, mm. connecting names. And you you had mentioned earlier, born at night, um, it, uh, when you were talking about Otieno, uh, representing mm. born at night. So what 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 is a child called who's that's born during the daytime? Otieng. Otieng. Interestingly, my oh. daughter, my, I've got two daughters. Yes. Uh, Achieng and Atieno. Ah. Chieng means the sun or sunshine or summer. Oh. So basically, somebody who is born in the daytime is. Or Chiang or A Chiang. Oh, that's, so, so that's with the C H I E N G. I E N G. A lot of times they'll put like a hyphen oh, I've seen after that the name. G. 
I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. Achiang. Ah. Yeah. So Ochiang or Achiang, uh, those are names that you would find uh, amongst the Luo people and, and along along the lake, the Lake Victoria. I think someone in the Navy with me will have mm. that name. Now I'm, I'm thinking back the way I, I saw that name. Yeah. Wasn't my brother. <laughs> I'll just say, wasn't my brother. No, no, don't ask me. No, <laughs> no, no I wasn't, I wasn't going that route. <laughs> <laughs> I can't recall the person's first name, but <laughs> it was just, but I, 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 it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just something yeah. that, wow, wow. But yeah, this, this, yeah. this podcast has taught me so much you know, when it comes to names. <laughs> wow, that is, yeah. But wow. brother, I'll, I'll go to uh, Vicky Kombe, and this one might, uh, let me explain the Kikombe in two parts of it, because okay. there's three parts of it, but mm-hmm. I don't think we have uh, enough time for the third part, uh, because every single part of it has a story. Oh, okay. Um, the word Kikombe is a Swahili word, and it means a cup, oh, Swahili. right? Okay. Um, and the philosophy behind this name uh, goes with the idea that I believe that whatever you're taking into your system from Mm -hmm. a cup is meant to transform you. Mm. Whatever you're drinking in is meant to transform you. And that is the philosophy around Kikombe. So if you're drinking tea, if you're drinking wine, if you're drinking water, if you're drinking whatever it is, you bring it into your system. You're either thirsty or you want to feel refreshed or you want to change how you're feeling at that time. And that is the idea around Kikombe. So I see what I have to share as the cup. Mm. I see what I have to share as the, the contents of the cup. Yes. Every single interaction I make with people is the interaction that I hope to transform people's ideologies on life, nice. whether they're learning or whether I am learning. Mm. So really, it's the cup. So after people have come across or I have met people in life, I hope, and it's my will, that these people will be transformed. And that is the philosophy around Kikombe. That's that's the first um, definition of the, the, the philosophy around Kikombe. Kikombe. Okay. The second definition is an acronym. Hmm. And it's a very long story towards where I came up with these acronyms. But I will explain the acronyms. Knowledge is the first K is knowledge. The I is information. The other K is keenness. The other K, uh, sorry, the the O is open-mindedness. The M is for mindfulness. The B is for balance. E is education or enlightenedness. And I can explain them briefly, all of them. First K is for knowledge because I believe that everybody you meet, just like Bill Nye, the science guy mentions, everybody you meet knows something that you don't. True. Regardless of who they are. Everybody you meet has got knowledge and content that you can learn from every single interaction you have with them. Mm -hmm. I'm coming into this conversation because I know I will learn something. For example, I learned the idea of the word Amma, the name Amma just now 
you know, yeah, I learned that, that, the idea that, that you're go, go with yeah, 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 it's more guaranteed one. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Or yeah, the idea that you yeah. will be traveling soon mm-hmm. to 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 another continent, right? Um, that's the idea around knowledge. And then the I is inquiry or information. I believe in asking questions. I believe in inquiring in my head about my interactions with people. And so I believe that the people that are speaking with me, just like you're having a conversation with me now, have got that power to inquire more about my experiences in my in my life and their experiences in their life and my experiences in whatever journey in life I'm going through. Then there is the other K, which is keenness. If you're not paying attention, you will miss it, right? So if, if I'm not paying attention to you, if I don't have all my full attention to you, my brother, I'll miss it. And so that is how I go into every conversations with that philosophy. The O is open-mindedness. And this is one of my, my, my favorite. Open-mindedness with the idea that I don't care what religion you from. I don't care what your sexual orientation is, don't care about your race, don't care what your preferences in life are. When my attention is with you, when you have your attention for me, we will have a conversation, we will interact, and again, it will go back to the first one, we will learn from each other. The M is for mindfulness. We all strive to be mindful of the way we interact with people when um, you share something that is valuable to me and I, uh, I value it, I will appreciate that. I will be thankful. When uh, I have to share <clears throat> conversations that you and I have had, then I can request for you if I can share the same. So I'm being mindful. Yes. I'm just aware of my environment. Just the same way, you know, when you, uh, before you made this recording, you mentioned to me, hey, I'm going to record this and this and this and this thing. That is the idea of being mindful because, you know, to share people's stories, mindfulness is really important. Mm -hmm. And for you to receive other people's stories so that you can sort of internalize them, mindfulness is also important. For you to be aware about your environment, mindfulness is really important. The B is balance. There is time to dance. There is time to fall down. There is time to run. There is time to walk. There is time to laugh. And there is time to cry. There is time to sing. And there is time to wail. And that's the idea of balance. You share stories of laughter. You share stories that are tragical. You share stories that are comical. And you share stories that are disappointing where the villain will win. Mm. And that is the beauty and diversity of life. Um, the final one is education or enlightenment, where you want to go to sleep or you want to leave every conversation, just like the first one on knowledge, you leave every conversation knowing that you have gone to sleep enlightened. You want to leave every single day of your life. If the universe has given you a chance to experience the sun, when you go down and lay down, you want to feel and say, I learned this today. So my interaction with you, my brother Raphael, when I leave this conversation, I want to leave this conversation saying, huh, I feel enlightened now. Already I've got three or four things I've learned about you and I mentioned them earlier, but that is the journey of enlightenment. So knowledge, information or inquiry, 
keenness, open-mindedness, mindfulness, balance, and education or enlightenment. I, I, I already feel enlightened just just from hearing that. <laughs> like we, we can end the episode now, but you know. <laughs> I, I, I love this brother, man. I love you, man. I'm not sure if that is a compliment. Or... No, seriously, no, seriously, I love you because you, 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 you. This, this is why I just had to bring you. Yeah, this is why I had to bring you on the on the show because you, know, you, you, yeah, people got people gonna see why I just had to bring you because man. This guy. No, I love listening to you, man. I, I don't know if anybody is listening in here, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, brother. If anybody is listening in here, you need to come into Clubhouse and listen to the kinds of interactions that me and my brother Rafael have. There's fun. There is uh, inter- there is laughter. There's learning. There's history, and there's lessons on politics. There's lessons on 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 diversity of the world. Everything is in there. It's like yeah. a whole cocktail of experience. So I love listening to you, and yeah. it, it, it just gives me so much pleasure in learning. But yeah, sorry to interrupt no, no, you, brother. No, that's Go fine. On. That's fine. Uh, I, I learned a new thank you yesterday. So I said Barang. <laughs> it's from the Manjaku. So I learned, I learned that yesterday. So thank you. Um, you already give us an insight into the next question I'll be asking. So can you introduce us to Siaji's place of birth and what was his mm-hmm. childhood like? Ooh, how much time do we have? Hey, just uh, give, give us the, the brief version. We'll, we'll, we'll later on do, we, we can have another episode where we'll, we'll dive, we'll do a longer version on this. Oh, Absolutely, brother. Yeah, straight up. Um, I was born and raised in Kenya. So, and as a child, I was born in Nairobi. Okay. My father worked for a university and my mother worked for uh, an electrical cable company. Um, and so, you know, when you hear that my father worked for a university, you, you sort of assume that this was somebody who grew up a, a flamboyant kind of lifestyle. No, it doesn't <laughs> look like that. <laughs> and oh. if you're somebody from uh, good old uh, Africa, you probably understand. Yeah. Uh, and, and similarly, if you hear that my mother worked for an electrical company, obviously it hits you and says, oh, man, no wonder, you know, he's uh, he's got so much to share. No. Um, it was a lifestyle full of a lot of privilege, but also a lifestyle full of um, learnings in, mm. in, the, in the aspect of you're around people with a lot of money, but you're also living in abject poverty. So that was kind of, if I have to keep, put it to you in a nutshell, that is the kind of experience that I had. Uh, you know, you, you have the privilege of going to a swimming pool every weekend, but also have the privilege of going to bed hungry. Mm. So that it's a it's such a paradox, but um, but it, it's a reality of the experience that I grew up with, and that is it. At twelve years old, sorry, at thirteen years old in nineteen ninety three, uh, my father got transferred to a different different province in a different uh, university and so we moved to Kisumu which is the his maternal place okay and that's the lake region and um to be honest with you that uh has been um one of my most eye-opening experience of me as a human being mm. because that is the moment where you realize that bills have to be paid that's the moment that you realize that electricity actually costs money. And that's the moment that you realize that, oh, you know what? A 13-year-old um, 
needs to cater for their family and household and so on and so forth. And also uh, realize that education is also important and not just a walk in the park for everybody else. Yeah. Uh, so in a nutshell, that is how, uh, that's where I was born. And, and that's sort of a, my, my childhood up to when I was 13. It goes deeper, but I'm not sure how much time you have, brother. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I might I might dive back in a way, because um, when you mentioned university, grand, wait, before I even go further, um, I'm just, just a little bit curious about Kenyan universities. Are they like federal government owned? Or is yes. It like, okay. Because when you say Most your father was, was transferred, that, that, that yeah, just so, popped in my head like, yeah, that's not yeah. like Nigerian federal most, universities. It's it's really weird because most universities at the they they uh, sort of called top universities. I don't agree with that ideology that some universities are better than the others. Um, but most of the universities that they call the top universities are government owned. Yeah, and then there are those Nigeria. private universities that come. Um, that are sort of the moneyed university or the wealthy students kind of universities. Yeah, it's it's but kind yeah, of so. changing now in Nigeria. It used to be like so the equivalent of the Ivy League schools in Nigeria, mm -hmm. where the, mm -hmm. the the private where the um, some of the federal universities like University of Ibadan, um, mm -hmm. UNN mm -hmm. in the east, uh, University of Nsuka, uh, Kano. Um, one of them was where Tabo Mbeki, uh, I forgot which one he attended, because you know he was on ex he was in exile in Nigeria for some years. Right. So when he had to run away um, from the apartheid government, I think it was mm -hmm. Lagos he attended, either Lagos or Ibadan, and um, yeah, he was on scholarship from Nigerian government. So those, you know, the, the, you go to the the top universities; those were like the top universities. But now the private universities are getting bigger. And they're getting more funding, so most kids go there because there's no strikes from the federal. Um, you know, the the, the the lecturers who are not paid. You know, they don't go on strike think, in the private universities. I, th I, th I think when you mention the word strike, you might have to elaborate oh, because okay. I think yeah, I think when somebody's <laughs> listening to the word strike, to them they think just people downing their tools and just going yeah, back home. <laughs> well, that's literally what happens. <laughs> People like uh, yeah, we're not. We haven't been paid. We haven't been promised uh, uh, pay raises for how long, and we don't receive it. So the, um, the lecturers yeah. put, put in notice. We're not going to come to work for sometimes. I, I know of a period was like almost two years. There were no no classes at the certain university. Hmm. Uh, students protesting. Um, an episode that by the time your episode comes out, this episode will already be out. Um, if a classmate of mine, he's he's now teaching in South Africa, at the university. He he was one of the student activists <laughs> who had to go through try. He had to face trial for some, for something. Really? Ah, uh, so <laughs> so as soon as you you, you mentioned uh, um, your your dad transferring, that those some of those uh, memories came to mind. Yeah. But also another thing that came to mind was um, my uh, a good friend of mine. While I was in secondary school, he used to live on um well he was a person who made me get come to university of ibadan i was living in Ibadan then as a teenager and i used to go to university of ibadan a lot his dad worked for the library which was the first time i saw a library i was uh 17 i was the first time i walked into a library because i already read about libraries wow. in, in um 
text in storybooks and all that. But if you had met me, you would think that this guy has been into libraries. Like, nah, where, where, where the library is at? Who, who got library? I lived you know? in a library. But that was one day his dad who had hooked him up with a job. Or he had to cover for somebody at the library, one of the students who had a job there. And that's when I went there and shh, shh, people are reading, people are reading. That's what I said. And, oh, why, 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 why are you all quiet? He said, oh, it's a library, man. Oh, this is what they call library. It looked different from the, the storybooks. Well, I see all these American storybooks. Uh, yeah. So coming on the campus and seeing um, his dad worked, his dad, I think his dad was a janitor or something, but his dad had worked there for most 40 years. Um, yeah, there, there was no money. They were in like, they were in nothing close to welding, nothing, you know. But I got, it introduced me to a whole lot of people who came from, you know, elite backgrounds and, it opened a different world to me. And I was able to hang in that world because I knew stuff. I knew I was, you know, I kept, <laughs> in, I was into current affairs. So I was able to raise my shoulder. But yeah, we, we didn't like to call ourselves poor. We didn't like, you know, we tried not to, you know, but it, it brought me, yeah, that, that you just took me there. Like, yeah, we, we, we were poor. We were poor, but we tried not to. You know, we tried, like, yeah, yeah, we could, we could rub shoulders with the rich. And then, uh, when it's time for them to let's go buy drinks and uh yeah, we'll That's, just start looking for an excuse moment. to disappear. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I gotta yeah. go do something over here. Like, I'll meet you guys in ten minutes. You ain't showing up. You disappear. Find a way. I feel you, brother. So, yeah, you. so that, that that took me down there. But yeah, it was it was it was a whole eye opening moment too for me. So yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I like that. Yeah, I feel like you and I should sit down one day and just share about our childhood memories for as mo as long as we want and oh, I, yeah. i'm not sure i'm not sure how much room we have for that because uh, that would be a lot of tea to drink you know like, it, it, it is a lot of <laughs> and tea coffee. to drink <laughs> yeah <laughs> so with that being said there's still something i want from your childhood memories i want yes, your favorite childhood memories where does it come from and uh, what what do you consider favorite childhood memories at this and I, I know like if it's someone like me it changes every now and then but for you what would you give us as your favorite childhood memories right now you know just you've just given me an answer there you said you know like from somebody like you it changes every now and then i was just speaking with a friend of mine the other day and we were talking about how it's so amazing that there up to this time in life there is no museum of smell you know, there's no hmm. single museum where you can go in and smell something like, you know, deep fried tilapia. Wow. And it's just put somewhere where you can smell it, right? Because I've always believed that smell brings such weird memories. Like it brings you with it a lot of memories with True. them because there are sensations, like, like feelings and sensations that you, they're very distinct to some part of your specific childhood memory or, or not childhood, but specific experience in life. Yes. But anyway, um, to answer your question, uh, yes, it changes every time, but some distinct ones I think I can remember uh, school holidays. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was born in Nairobi and we would go to the village uh, in our school holiday. It would all take our luggage and our beds and everything mattresses and and huddle them back in a in the back of a minibus or a bus we called them matatu. matatu i'm not sure if you've heard this yeah and we would put them on a matatu 
and we would travel up country to Kisumu or Yala. Yala is the um, is part of the the, the Nyanza province around the lake as well, mm. or the Kano Plains uh, and, the, and along the plains of and, uh, and along the riverbanks of the River Nyando, okay. which is where my maternal grandmother came from. And most of this we we would do in either April holiday. August holiday or December holiday. Mm. And every time we do this, we would be going to visit our grandmother and we would have big family reunions whether where we would stay up as late as we can, drinking tea, like milk tea was a big deal back then, which I don't drink anymore. Um, I just <laughs> drink black tea. <laughs> uh, and and that was that's one of the best memories of just sitting around the fire and just chatting and our grandmother telling us stories and our uncles coming in and scaring us with all these stories about when they went <laughs> along the coast of Kenya and saw sharks and fought with dolphins. And, and one day they're walking in the jungle and they pull the elephant trunk out of its elephant. And it's just an amazing kind of a part of diverse and oral storytelling that um, I distinctly remember. Uh, and those, those are some of my favorite memories. Did you have any uncle that was over-exaggerating their stories? Or, oh, know? we had those. <laughs> we had an uncle that went and fought the lion and came back with the lion's whiskers. I, I had an uncle who, 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 was a, who was a hunter. <laughs> we, we had an uncle who was a hunter who killed an elephant. Yeah. Um, he had, a, he had a, the, the, the skull and the trunks in his house. Like He made it like a shrine. Yeah. And yeah. it was a claim to fame. But you also had those uncles who were like, man, let me tell you, when I was 12, <laughs> I was a 400-meter holdout in the whole region oh. of Ghana. And when there was this one, I I, I, I was one night. I, why were you on the on the river at the middle of the night? Nobody knows. And I saw the mermaid. The mermaid showed up. I was like, oh, the mermaid came from the right. I went to the left. Yeah, How do you know it was yeah. a mermaid? Well, I mean, let me tell you. You don't want to ask questions. I just went and... Like, uh, well, 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 now we want to ask questions. Like, okay, how do we know when the mommy did what, what do we do? Why do you want to ask questions? Let me tell you the story. Just listen. Like, okay, but you know, now we, we want to know. <laughs> yeah, we had we had those uncles as well. You know, the, the uncles that were always the best at school. Oh, yeah. The uncles that had all the girlfriends at the age of 12, you know. It's a weird kind of exaggeration. And I feel like they, they still exist they do. to this day, you know. They do. All you, you uh, got to do is buy them like... a shot of their favorite drink, <laughs> the, 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 local, the local snap. We buy that, and then it's we like, do. ooh, this this young man, this one, this is what we are talking. This, this youth, this one, this one knows. He knows. It's never, he knows yeah. how to respect the elders. Now, let me tell you, my young my young man, when I was your age, <laughs> and it starts to come out, like, oh boy, it's coming. <laughs> I, I cannot I cannot believe that it's the same kind of phrase that they begin with all the time. When I was your age, when I was your listen age. to me. I could do this, you know. The... I, I took on five <laughs> elephants in one night. So like, bro, uh, uh, uncle, 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 Tony down, Tony down. Like, we, 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 we've seen you, man. Look, we, we see your shape right now. Like, come on, man. Like, oh, you don't believe me? You don't believe me? Go ask this man over there. He, like, man, that man has died. That man died like twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> I know. I feel you. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a weird, weirdly common pattern of storytelling from our uncles. I don't, I don't know what can happen. It's, like, a, yeah. it's, a, it's different from <laughs> when the aunties tell stories. Oh uh, yeah, the the grandmother says there's a difference, a big difference from the uncles. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. 
it's it's almost like the uncles were preparing you for this kind of hero heroism yeah. that was uh, either it was far fetched or they wanted you to see yourself as this kind of hero or mm. be brave to a certain point of life and i'm wondering if that is kind of a pattern that was built with our forefathers but again that's a story for another day but <laughs> uh yeah i'm i'm just amazed that it's the same kind of pattern when i was your age I was this is what age. i was able to accomplish hmm? <laughs> Uh, Look at you now, just sitting there, staring at the gold. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, well, one last thing I'll say about that. Um, my crew in Portacot, <laughs> just before, a few years before I, I left Nigeria, finally, um, the guy who was like the leader of our crew, he, he had like the best comebacks for everything. So when we had one of those uncles, because everybody's uncle was our uncle, so... When they started throwing that, look at you people, you in the evening, you are sitting down there, you with a bottle of beer, yeah? I knew I want to take our beer from us, I go drink it, but he's, look at you, yeah? young, 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 young man, yeah? but look at you. When I was your age, I was, I, was, I had like five jobs right there, and he's like, uncle, uncle, I don't know why you are complaining, but we'll buy you the beer if you want to drink the beer. But you know, we're just trying to be like you, when we grow up, we're just trying to be like you. That's why you, every time he says that, you just see the man change. You know what? I don't have your time today. I don't have your time. Yeah. <laughs> Every time he says that, like, we, Uncle, I don't know why you're complaining. You know, we're just trying to be like you when we grow up. That's how we are trying to be. <laughs> we, have, we have similar things. We have these similar, uh, when I was your age, kind of jokes mm -hmm. that we, we give with our brothers and cousins. You know, they, some of them go like, when I was your age, I would wake up before the alarm went off. I would go to work, finish all my duties, come back to, come back home before the alarm yeah. was set off. Yeah. When I was your age, I could, you know, I would uh, marry a woman and and get four kids within a year. Mm -hmm. Not worry, you know. We have all these weird when I was your age kind of jokes that we we say with my my cousins when when oh, <laughs> and, and a couple of friends that we kind of have similar experiences that we just laugh around with. But that's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So mo moving on to yourself, when you were around thirteen. Yes. You know, you you got a life uh, eye opening moment. And mm. um, around that time, did you begin to see, did you have like a different goal about uh, who you wanted to be career-wise? <laughs> I just I like asking that because, you know, it, it's you fascinating. Know brother, if you ask me who I, I wanted to I be really when I was 13, wish, 14, 15. I really 15. wish anybody could see your facial expression <laughs> as you mentioned because you remind me of all these uncles that, Career wise, what did you want to be, my brother? Hey, that's how they, um, they always hit me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, what is your future like when you look at it now? Um, brother, I I wanted to be a journalist. Fascinating. But pause. Hmm. Pause. Okay. Backtrack a few months, actually, a year before that, I actually wanted to be an engineer. Which is which is what the, the parents would have expected. Pause. Pause from the big five. Backtrack three or four years before that, mm -hmm. I wanted to be a doctor. Okay, still from the big then five. Before that, I wanted to be like an aeronautical engineer. Right. But I, re that, I that you know, still falls under the big five. So <laughs> that's acceptable. I'm going to I'm going to recommend and I'm going to commend you, brother, because you asked me about my 
career ambitions as a teenager, yeah. right? Because I know, and you probably know this, but our experiences as um, people of African origin, based on the experience that we've had, so many of our career ambitions in our childhood are ambitions of our fathers yeah. <laughs> and our ambitions of our uncles and our mothers that yeah. want us to be these uh, supernatural human beings mm -hmm. based on what they want, because um, for whatever reason. Um, but yes, uh, as a teenager, at, at the point that I started to understand what was going on around me, I wished to become a journalist. I wished to, I felt like, you know, I, I, I became very interested in reading newspapers. I actually learned a lot of English just by reading newspapers. I think you know, I, I think the same thing might have happened to me without my realizing it too. Because my oh, mom yeah? used to bring home about between four and seven newspapers every day from work. Mm. Mm. Uh, because the government always, she was a senior civil servant. So they always had newspapers at, all, at the office. So she brought that home. Same as university. Yeah. That's the same as university. So father, I would be yeah. reading, I started from the back page because it was more exciting. Yeah. There were cartoons on the back page. So I read the cartoons. <laughs> yeah. And after I finished all the cartoons, then it was like, okay, what, what else? And then I yeah. started reading sports. And then from sports, I'm like I did foreign news from foreign news. Maybe I should read what's happening in Nigeria. And then that's how I started. Mm getting into newspapers but yeah that's how i i started but i'm, I'm curious yeah. who, who who were who um did you have any one who inspired you in the journalism field or was it just from newspapers that no. you were inspired um it actually was from newspapers we didn't have a television you okay. know we didn't have any sort of uh, we only had audio kind of audio yeah, news reporting, yeah, but that didn't radio. appeal to me as much. Okay. I preferred um, the kind of reading yeah. about the news because that was accompanied with with pictures and all that. We used to watch TV at our neighbors, but that, you know, there's that 30 minute segment of news that mm -hmm. it didn't really appeal to me so much because that was very brief and edited to like a very minimal aspect of it yeah um i preferred reading because i also would use that in my writing i would use that in my composition they call them mm. um composition is where like there's that the essay yes. they call them the yes. essays that yeah. you write yeah, we did um so we would i would use the the vocabulary the expressions that they used to to kind of expand my composition so that that was my 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 fascination with journalism because that was where I was. I felt like I was learning so much. One of my favorite um, pieces to read was by a Kenyan um, writer called Wahome Mutahi. He called himself the Whispers. Whispers. I remember distinctly. He had glasses on, and Wahome Mutahi used to have a, a, a column on Sundays called whispers yeah. and he would basically use satire to relate to what was going on around the country so i knew that if you know for example there was a big scandal then what homie mutai would use that kind of satire and use it in his household to wow. talk about the things that was going on in the country so you got and to so understand was, satire pretty early i i think i do but also, I think I feel like satire. 
I think I feel like Satya, if you don't understand the cultural connections with it, then yeah. you will lose it. You kind of just look at it as some sort of humor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it almost won't make sense to you. Or if it makes sense, you will not realize it's satire, right? Yeah, For example, yeah. if a lot of times when I read um, uh, satire that's connected to some Western stories, if I don't understand the political connotations to it, yes. I just think it's a beautifully written kind of piece, yeah. right? Um, so Wahome Mutai was one of them. Uh, I'm going to mention one from Nigeria, and that was this is one of my favorite stories I've ever read. Um, it's by Ken Ken Sarawiwa. Oh, Africa yep, Africa kills one. her son. Mm-hmm. You know, Africa kills her son is one of my favorite ever stories to to read, and it's about this um, gentleman who's been sentenced to death, and he's re- writing this letter to his wife and just talking about his final uh, account to life and what will, what's going to happen to him and uh, what message to send out to the world. And which unfortunately turns out to be um, a true it's, story. It's you know? like he was yeah. predicting his own what will yeah. happen to him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know the sad so, yeah, so thing are... is that you know I started off with reading, but I went because uh, with time I stopped getting newspaper access, so I wouldn't uh, continue on the reading part as um, because it will only be sports papers. I'll be getting later on when I'll have to move to our start living with other family members. But I had a transistor radio and I found AM. So I became the, the nerd who was not even listening to FM stations. I was listening to AM stations because I could travel around the world with AM. Oh, wow. So I was into AM. But in a way, it also destroyed something in me because I wasn't, uh, I like you had local journalist and then you found Ken Sarawiwa. I didn't mm-hmm. know Ken Sarawiwa until he was, he got murdered. Really? I didn't know him until the the trial and I was like, why are they putting a man from my because formerly we're from the same state until they split our state into two. And then we became right. from different states. But we were technically from the same state. And uh, I'm like, why is Abacha going after him? It didn't make sense to me, mm, you know? Mm. I, but I hadn't been reading all his stuff. So it's after he got killed that I started knowing about his work. Because I, I was always yeah. listening to foreign news. And then that's how I started developing the mindset that if you are into journalism or anything like that, <coughs> you have, the only way you sound professional is if you sound white. Because it was only white people mm. listening to mm. So that's how my lack of confidence in my own the, voice the, the, began. The whiter, the whiter you sound, yeah. the more appealing you will be to you the will rest be. of the world. So apparently. yeah, so my, my my voice. That's how I began to disregard my own voice because even when mm. I, had, I had the chance twice to go on state radio and state TV, once right. uh, someone wanted to put me on state because it was like this guy. I just like the way you talk about sports. Come, let me go put you mm. on my friend's show. I was like, ah. I don't sound like people on BBC. No. <laughs> if you don't sound like BBC, um, yeah. Same oh, thing wow. with radio. And I, I panicked. Yeah. And yeah, when I was in my early 20s, I panicked. And mm. yeah, I couldn't. Mm. And that's how I froze. You know, it would take years, yeah. decades later until <laughs> I do my therapy, go through all that. And then I'm finding the confidence to start doing my podcasting. So that's yeah. how long it would take me to finally be here. Well, yeah. <laughs> so that's why nice, I, yeah, nice. when you said journalism, that's why I had to zero in on that. It was so, 
um, great for me to hear that, and I'm I'm really proud that uh, even at that age you 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 found uh, you recognized people from home and their talent and satire. I don't even know when I started recognizing because I used to read. I don't know how come or how, I don't know how, but there used to be a lot of read, readers' digest everywhere in lots of places that I found myself at in Nigeria. It's like a lot of business establishments seem to have readers' digest, and I would just read through it. And it's now as an adult yeah. that I began to realize that a whole lot of stuff I read was satire. <laughs> Actually, now that you mention it, I do remember Reader's Digest. Yeah, I, I, Reader's I've, I've Digest. That. I always read. I, I I would sneak into the library and read yeah. all these outdated Reader's Digest. Yep, yep. It was always outdated and, uh, yes, stuff. They, they that are full of so. <laughs> I don't even we remember the last time. We always got donations that yeah. several months later. I don't remember the last time I saw that publication. I don't know if they're still in... I don't I'm know if they sure still make them. It's still around. <laughs> that would be an interesting, you know, memory to revisit. I like that you mentioned yeah, that. Thank you, man. Yeah, that, that was another yeah. thing that I read from. <laughs> so before we go further, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we shall dive more closer to the present and um, begin to touch on your... Because we've already opened the portal into the, your creative juice so we, we now know where the creative juices come from so we'll, we'll, we'll dive into the present and then hit the, the, the more of the creativity hi everyone your host rafael harry here i can't believe we have gone past our one year anniversary of doing white label american i've had the privilege of speaking with some amazing people sharing their modern day immigrant stories and you've allowed this Nigerian immigrant to share parts of his immigrant journey through this podcast. Also, one of my goals of this podcast is breaking down artificial walls that keep people from getting to understand each other. Based on your wonderful feedback over the last year, I think we have done a decent job in breaking down some of those walls. We would like to continue and expand on this mission, but we need your help. I've had an amazing time creating and producing episodes for this show largely on my own. We have a lot of ideas for new and exciting content to expand upon the mission, but we need direct support from you, our listener, which is why we have created a White Label American Patreon page where you can make a one-time donation or become a sustaining contributor where you can get access to exclusive content help me interview upcoming guests by submitting questions and even have the chance to sit down with me for a one-on-one conversation either virtually or in studio so if this podcast means something to you and if you really love this show think about becoming a sustaining contributor and donating by going to patreon.com slash white label american pod thanks for listening and for the privilege of your company okay welcome back thank you for staying with us appreciate all of you so your journey we're going to jump forward a bit Mm. Your journey 
has uh, took off in Nairobi, Kenya, and you are not limited to just Kenya. You decide to take, well, you know, now you're, you're based outside of Kenya. How did all that come about? And how did you, you know, decide to cross that ocean? You cross a large amount of the ocean to get to where you are. So yeah. how did that happen? Dude, I crossed the Indian Ocean and went to the rest of the world. Um, you know, I started, I, I got interest in travel at the age of 21. At the age of 21, yes, at the age of 21, um, I, I got fascinated by sports, right? So I went to university. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? That's a lie. That's a big lie. At the age of 13, as I told you, I moved to, we moved to a different province. And there was one time we had trials for, um, we had trials for, what's it called? Uh, for, for, for running, athletics, running. athletics. Okay. And, and it was the 5,000 meter race. So uh, it used to be a middle distance runner. And um, I remember I had zero practice, zero. I was barefoot. Um, our field was full of rocks and, you know, it looked like a field. It was round, fair enough. I'm not sure if it was even a 400 meter track. Um, but I remember that we had these trials and they wanted somebody to go and represent our district. First was division. Uh, and then, you know, we, we kind of winged that. Anybody that showed up kind of progressed. Yep. We went to the districts and the districts were being run in a stadium. And I remember for the trials, we were all, you know, me and my, this gentleman called Luca, I have no idea where he went. Um, me and him were like head to head. And I remember Luca asking me, man, have you been training? Like, would you, you're running so fast. And, and I said, have you been training? I see you every day. Like, when do you train? He said, I've never trained. <laughs> so me and him wow. were running head to head. It's 5,000 meters. But we're so ahead of plenty of people. There are a few others, as you know, Africans. There are a few other Kenyans that are like 200 meters ahead of us. But it's almost like we're not in the same race. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we progressed. And, you know, that's the day I realized that I I can actually be a sports person if if I made it this far yeah. without all this training. Um, what is going on with me? But anyway, to answer your question, that is the point when I realized sports can actually take me places. Sports can actually move me from my district to my division to um, to my province, to the nationals, to to international level. Um, needless to say, I went to university and I, I developed a passion towards swimming. <laughs> you wow. will not believe From this. running yes. to swimming. Mm-hmm. I, I was not expecting um, that. <laughs> yeah, man. I know. This is a story that not many people have heard. So I represented my university in the East African Swimming uh, Championships. And in, 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 uh, I actually attended three of them. One, first one I attended was at Makerere University in New Uganda in Kampala. Mm-hmm. The second one was at the University of Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. And the third one was in, in Kenyatta University in Kenya. And so that was my fascination with uh, travel with regard to sports. But the other fascination was also in university as I was part of a theater group. And what we did is we would, uh, it, we call it a traveling theater. I don't know if you've you've got similar in Nigeria, but I, yes. I'm sure you do. There, 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 so basically we- There, there was we, national we kind theater of, groups, there were state theater groups. 
and then yeah. there was travel theater yeah so basically yeah, we would travel. take set books well, i think mm-hmm. they use different mm-hmm. names but they did travel they, yeah they did travel what was yours backed by the federal or state government no we we kind of financed it ourselves oh okay uh, it, but, it, it, the private ones was story. much difficult but they all sourced for there were private ones that existed but they all got you try to get patronage from the government because at the end of the day the government mm. is the one that gave the, the that so the patronage yeah. yeah so ours the patron was uh because ours was uh, was our university travel theater oh yeah which actually saw we, yeah. we brought loads of uh a lot of very big names in the kenyan uh, uh theater scene we have walter mangare the big ridiculous crew uh, there's KJ John Kiarie, who is now uh, a member of parliament. There's Churchill, Churchill Dambuki, who is one of the biggest comedians in Kenya at the moment. We have mm-hmm. the current guy who's actually ahead. He calls himself MC, MC, uh, oh, Jesus, MC Tricky, MC wow, Tricky. MC and then we have Desagu. <laughs> we have. Uh, yeah, we have a few other female uh, people that have come up. Gatueri, uh, we got uh, Karao, Karao, which is uh, like a, a, a popular comedian who, who acts as a policeman, but is also playing sate around. Yeah. So that was a, a theater group that I traveled with around um, East Africa. And, uh, you know, it was my first journey to Somalia, first journey to Ethiopia, first wow, journey so to Uganda. Wow, so you performed in Somalia? How is that like? We went very different. I, I'm not sure if you know, but the the Somali staple food is pasta. No, I don't. No, I don't think I've heard, I don't think I have that in my database. <laughs> I have some recent stuff I have about Somalia to my staple database. Food but, is wow. pasta. pasta. One of the most you you would never imagine pasta. Yeah. Pasta. The, no, 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 no cows, no, no beef from nowhere, no uh, camel tongue, mm-mm. pasta. Wow. Um, unbelievable. Um, but anyway, so so that was my my passion for travel. But um, when I when I graduated from university, um, I I went ahead and, and pursued education. And with education came all these opportunities that came with it. I started working at a school in Nairobi. Then um, the same idea came to move to Mombasa, which is along the coast of Kenya. And I was working there. And with that kind of exposure, I met so many people that have traveled around the world that are, are teaching. And so, you know, I just just started applying for jobs. Uh, and so I moved to Tanzania and I taught in Tanzania as well. Uh, and then, and then that, that journey never stopped right across the Indian ocean. I remember I applied for a job, I applied for a job one time, uh, in the afternoon of some day in May, I'm not sure, uh, or April. Yeah. And two hours later, I got the call, uh, three hours later. Sorry, four or five hours later, I would have, I was at a cyber cafe. I'm not sure if you guys have cyber cafes. Yeah, we, that, where, that was, where you yeah. go and the people playing uh, video games. We did in the a, background. I used to do overnight browsing at cyber cafe. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was sat there on Skype with people going in the background, going. 
<laughs> but I'm doing my Skype interview. And um, three or four weeks later, I was on a flight to Bangkok. So so that was that was the incredible story of, of how I kind of trans- transversed the, the Indian Ocean to the other end. So yeah. what was your first culture shock on arrival, you know, and arriving <laughs> to, to Bangkok? You mean out are, of, are you are you based out in of, Bangkok? No, okay. actually, I lived in well, Bangkok for about two years, and then I moved to Phuket. Okay, which is oh, I had in, somebody uh, in Phuket. Uh, he, he did school there for a while from Finland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, culture shock. Oh my goodness! I think you know I've always believed that um, Africans are open-minded. Um, I think I think the people in Thailand are way more open-minded than we 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 are in in terms of being liberal, and I'm specifically mentioning Thailand, not not other Southeast yeah. Asian countries, uh, but generally um, the idea of being open-minded just opened my eyes to so many things that I never ever ever imagined I would ever see, you know. Street food is eaten straight up the street. Um, the religions are just tolerated left, right, and mm-hmm. center. People don't even identify with their religions. And if they do, it's no big deal. Uh, um, sexual orientation is not anybody's business. You'll see ladyboys here and there. You'll see gay people holding hands. It's not a big deal. And so it was a great revelation for me. You know, you walk you're in a train and you will see all these um, ladies in the shortest miniskirts, so university students, ladies in the shortest miniskirts in the world, yeah. but nobody else is staring at them apart from you. So you look like a pervert. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a really great revelation for me. You know, it's true. Like, you know, you're from Africa where everybody no, I, else I'm, is. I'm laughing because not everybody else. But... <laughs> you, 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 remind, you remind me of, um, you know, I was stationed in Bahrain around uh, between 2011 and 2012. And I had, I had the opportunity to go to Thailand for free. And I was like, yeah, that's one of the places I want to go to. Single guy, yeah, free. But his stories, <laughs> like Navy guys come there, have a great time, party and all that. <laughs> and I ran into one of my bosses. He was from a different department. He was a guy who was... Very fit. He's been in Navy much longer, almost twenty years. But fit black dude. Nobody ever saw him with women. Nobody ever saw him like you know. He never had any scandal, nothing. And so of course, people, if you don't, we don't see you chasing women like every other person. The assumption is like, oh, he's gay. He's not. Is he gay or he's not gay and all that. But was it our business? Not really. Did it really matter? But he was a cool guy and he always was cool mm. with me. So he saw me that day and he was like, hey, where are you heading to? Let me, I, I'm, I told him where I was going to. He said, oh, I'm heading that way. I'll give you a ride. So I was like, what, what's going on? How's work going? And I was like, oh, I'm thinking of taking a vacation. You know, I, I work hard. He's like, yeah, we know you. You work really hard. Yeah, take a vacation. Where do you want to go? I was like, oh, I'm thinking of Thailand because I have this since Navy going to pay for anywhere I want to go. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. like, oh, Thailand. And he just had this smile on his face. He was like, Thailand, whatever your <laughs> fantasies are, it will be fulfilled there, man. That's a great place. And wait, no more he said that, I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to Thailand. I don't know why I just did that. I said, oh, hell no, I'm not going. I'm not, that's it. But I just let my insecurities just come out of me. I just ruled that out, canceled myself a free trip <laughs> to a part of the world I should have gone to. 
<laughs> and I went out, told other people who I didn't have. Why? Why I go tell them? I don't even know. But I told, uh, oh yeah, that confirms everything we suspected about this guy and all that. Don't go. I'm like what? They've been there. I'm the one who. Well, I'm the only one who never went. All of them had gone. Really? Yeah. So, so up to, wait, up to now you've never been to Thailand. I've never been. I missed out on a free trip. I went to Finland the next year. Maybe paid for me to go to Finland. Do you know what, brother? You know, when if if and if any anything ever happens that you know you could travel to this part of the world, I would love to welcome you down here. It will Oh, it's it's, it's on my list. I, I, I revolutionize I, I, your experience. Oh yeah. I, I, so, I have to I have mm. to come there because I later on, you know, I, I started watching um there's this channel um asian asian boss mm-hmm. and they do like street news type of um, interviews interview people on the street and every time I, they interview people on, on the streets of bangkok phuket and i was like this this doesn't sound like the type of stuff these people have been telling me about like these people don't even I'm like, that's why i just love when you went with <laughs> open-mindedness i was like oh man i was one yeah. ignorant fool back then i was like yeah. oh who, who did i know in thailand nobody yeah i was Dude, just brother, assuming brother, everything <laughs> and yeah brother i will tell you um you know i i come from you know having grown up in in kenya mm-hmm. and i cannot mention tanzania because that's a different experience for me because i loved tanzania and if if there's any place in the world i would love to one day retire if i have a significant amount of um money and i i don't have to actually work and just be yeah i'll probably go and live in tanzania and i'll take my family with me or well, where in tanzania to come with me arusha arusha oh yeah arusha right at oh. the foothills of mount Mer- between the foothills of mount meru and mount um kilimanjaro oh beautiful culture is amazing yeah. but anyway so um my my ideology was like I usually I usually look at how how safe a place is yes. based on how many women you see walking around at night mm. unaccompanied yeah just being holding a handbag just walking you know uh, how many kids can ride their bikes at 7 p.m. along the main highway um uh, I will look at a place and It, the idea of security i would look at how many grills they have around their windows if the place has got grills on the windows so that it looks like whoever lives in there is actually the one in jail then i know that this place isn't necessarily as safe well, i look at how gate. safe a place is <laughs> eh? yeah if 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 a neighborhood has got gate yeah. that is higher than your waistline Uh, you know where it is and if i'm looking at electric fence all over the place yeah if people are not leaving their bikes and cars right outside their gate if people's shoes are not left outside the doorstep um then i know that that area is not safe and i kid you not everywhere i went it was shoes are outside bikes are outside um it's it's amazing it's amazing um obviously it's got its its ridiculous share of oh, no. tragedies and all Every, that but that was does, that was a big culture shock for me you know yeah um yeah sorry to go on no 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 that that's beautiful kind of move on that's beautiful <laughs> but you, we i wish there, there's still a lot more i have to ask but you know uh, fortunately we don't have enough time to go into all the questions that i have to ask you so i'll break it down to 
four questions. Um, hit us with your creativity. How did you embrace your creativity from being a teacher to going into um, creative, embracing photography, videography, mm -hmm. your voice? Yeah, because you 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 were into journalism, reading, the reading part of right. journalism and writing from. Mm childhood so how did you go into all these other things and how did you become comfortable with that so 2012 um, when i got married to my wife i realized that um i didn't you know when you know during during preparations towards marriage when you sit down with your spouse and you start looking at photos of you as a child, you realize that I don't have that many photos of me as a child. Mm. Hang on. I only have two photos of me as a child. One of them, I was like seven months old with the biggest head. It was My head was bigger than the sofa, <laughs> back of the sofa, right? My mother always made fun of me that ah, I couldn't sit up even oh at the man. age of nine. Like I'm sitting like this. I will try and share that photo with you one day. So when you look at that photo, I, ah. like, I have my head. Like, very, <laughs> I really need to share this with you. As, as When you're asking me the next question, I'll share it with you. And it's me at around several months, and I can't sit up straight. But the biggest tragedy is after that photo, the yeah. next photo of me, I'm probably six or seven years old. Wow. And so I don't have any documentation of me from a few months old. Obviously, I don't have any photo of me as a absolute toddler i only have that yeah. big photo of my head with saliva running down on the corner of my mouth or then the next one is me at around five to like i can't remember how old i was then the next one is like 11 so you know and then in my teenage years that's when you start being cool and you realize that you can actually get money and pay for your own photos and all that yes. or somebody caught you out in a field somewhere and you took a photo and showed it to your dad and then your dad thinks it's cool but after after he's given you a few whacks on the back <laughs> saying, why are you playing in the garbage? But this is a good photo of you. Yeah. Um, so that kind of opened my eyes because I'm looking at my wife and I'm thinking, why? My yeah. fiance at that time. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, you have so much to share. I have nothing. Three. Yeah. And she couldn't believe it. No, but I, I also I understand why. Yeah, man. I also understood that, you know, my father... To him, it didn't appear that that was such a big deal. Mm -hmm. But also, um, photography was expensive. It was from it from was. where I was, and and if you take a photo today, you have to wait like two weeks before yeah. the oh, film. Oh yes, two weeks. And sometimes it would burn. If, if, and even in two thousand, kind of <laughs> I remember it was two. Yeah, I don't know ninety nine was the first time I paid for a photo myself, my my own photo. When I paid my own mm. money, it was two weeks later you got it. You got it back, and mm -hmm. not all of them are good mm -hmm. quality, because you—that's when you're like, yeah. man, you took a yeah. terrible photo. You didn't take a good photo. Like, <laughs> you like, waited for it. I got to go back. You got a haircut. I got a haircut. Got a put haircut on my oversized <laughs> suit. Came out in this, and then, God dang it, this dude. You can't even yeah. get mad properly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was. <laughs> it was during that preparation that. Um, I actually that was that was the preparation that actually got me thinking I really need to start documenting oh. my life. I need to document my life better. Yeah. Uh so I bought a camera 
uh, you know, somewhere, a secondhand camera. It was like a, a, a Sony Cybershot, yeah. one of these first digital kind of small photos. And and that's that's how the journey began. You know, obviously you start experimenting with the, the shots here and there. Um, by the time that um, our first daughter was being born, I had already started creating some phenomenal I think they were phenomenal from there, but I guess somebody will look at them and think they were rubbish. Um, but but um, my a few people, you know, kind of inspired me. It, it was the gentleman that took photos at our wedding, two, two of them. One of them is Brian Wando, not a big name, but I consider him to be one of the best photographers out there in the world. And the other one is called Vince Njuguna. Vince and Juguna, both of them do wedding photography, and they're the ones that uh, did photography at our wedding. But when, one weird thing I realized when um, a few years later, after having discussed with them, these people did our wedding as interns. So basically, they oh, wow. shot our wedding almost for free, you know, wow. even though... Yeah. You know, even though that they, you know, we had compensated uh, another gentleman with the same. But that's a story for another day. Yeah. So that was the journey. That was a journey. It's the idea that I knew that I have nothing. Um, the idea of documenting storytelling, you know, you know, when I told you about my uncles that uh, always told in a previous episode, when I said about my uncles, I always exaggerated stories and mm-hmm. and 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 my fondest memories of sitting around the, my grandmother's um, in, the, in my grandmother's homestead, sitting around the fire and just sharing stories about growing up or sharing stories about um, Nairobi. If people were coming from Tanzania and they would share the same. Yeah zero i have nothing we have nothing now and if that is not something for me to to inspire me to sort of create something Mm -hmm. then i don't know you know yeah um so that's that is the journey and it's it's i have to mention that it's not as easy because you know as you mentioned even yourself that like you sometimes you have to diversify your story so because you mentioned earlier that you you started talking about uh immigrants in America but then you realize that the immigration is such a vast thing in African immigrant it's all over yeah. so if you don't diversify the idea of immigration or the African immigrant then you're sort of missing out on content true. right true um yeah so so yes, yeah, so that was my journey. That was the point where it started, you know, like, um, and I also am I'm an educator and the idea of education cannot just be conformed to one aspect of that tool of work that you, you've got to structure whatever expertise you have to sort of channel it towards something that you can grow as a talent. I've always believed that if you don't, if you only have, that aspect of you as a profession and you don't have talent to go with it, um, there is something in your system that is still yet to come and you have to go and discover it. Mm. So talent doesn't, you know, it's not just a profession. You have to have a profession and you have to have talent that goes with it. So even if you're Messi, even if you're Ronaldo and your talent is, say, a footballer, there's got to be something deep in there that you can do on top of that to go and expound that further. Beautiful. 
Yeah. Beautiful. I knew there was something beautiful coming there. So, final um, last two questions, which I just need quick answers on. Favorite cuisine? <laughs> that, yeah, because te- not- technically I've gone over time. You know, so I don't, I don't want George to kick me out of here now. So, um, favorite cuisine that you, yeah, your favorite cuisine. Where does it come from, and what is it? You know, this is me being very patriotic to a very specific part of. Of, of Africa, very specific part of Kenya, mm-hmm. very specific part around the shores of Lake Victoria. All right. There's a place in Kisumu that makes the best fish Ooh. in the world. Okay. The best fish in the world. The two types of fish, one is the Nile perch, the other one is the tilapia, deep fried in hot, hot oil. Part of the oil is the tilapia oil. The other one is whatever cooking oil. I don't care. My mother makes this. Ah. It's probably the be- <laughs> it's probably the best deep fried tilapia or deep fried Nile perch that you can ever have. You deep fry it first in hot oil, then you take it and then you fry it with tomatoes and you put the onions and then you mix it and you mix it with ugali which is similar to oh fufu okay uh, but then you gotta mix it with sand of kind of kale and you kind of douse it sprinkle it decorate it with kale mm. if there's any um reasonable word to yeah. to relate with that it's probably orgasm it is orgasm in your system and i kid you not the first taste you get goosebumps the second you get more goosebumps it's just a concussion of goosebumps i would not recommend it for people with a weak heart because you would need cpr when you finish eating because you'd be out my mother makes the best oh my goodness this guy deep fried nile perch then fried Okay. Deep fried tilapia, then fried. So do, you, do you make it? Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> don't don't ask me how right, it comes no. out. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna ask. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, music. Three, three. Give us quick answers. Three artists that keep you dancing for an hour. When you said dancing or listening, it doesn't. Yeah, you said dancing. Yeah, no, we're not doing listening. We're doing dancing. We're going for a different vibe. I think. I think Burna Boy, Burna Boy Man, this from guy, this good guy old Nigeria. Comes, he, need, he need to come and give me money because too many people keep calling his name. <laughs> Although we have a little, a slight disagreement, me and Burna Boy, but you know, it's, it's okay. Know, he's, he's from, I, I, we lived in the same estate, funny enough, you know, in Potako. <laughs> he's a Potako boy. So. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'll cool. break it down to, to you one, uh, <laughs> one day. Yeah. I love, I love, in Kenya, I love uh, Saudi Soul. Hey, yeah, Saudi Soul. Yeah, obviously. Um, I love Nameless. Nameless is an artist. Uh, he sings together a, with his wait. wife. Yeah, I know that name. Nameless. Nameless. His name is Nameless. Yeah, I know. I, know, I don't know if I, I probably might have his song. I have too many. I have artists from everywhere. Oh, you certainly, you certainly have heard it. I'm coming home, home where I belong. Where, where is he don't from? Don't judge my listening voice. He's from Kenya. Oh, okay. He sang. I, I don't know why with, I was thinking South Africa. Oh. Um, no, but he's he's made. I think he's made a few videos while in South Africa. Uh, everybody. Oh else. no, 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 no. There is a group from South Africa that actually sang 
and they kind of remixed one of his songs. It talks about life. This is my Maisha. Maisha, basically, this is my life. Okay. Don't you mess with my Maisha. Uh, and the other one is, is Diamond. Oh, Diamond. Hate it or love yes. it, Diamond. Diamond. He's got yeah. quality music yes. coming from good old Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, I mentioned four, That's but you, you're going to have to take four, brother. <laughs> All right. So final <laughs> question to wrap it up. Yes. You know, Asante Asana for giving me your time and I appreciate you as always. What would you like to leave the audience with? You know, it could be your mantra that you live by. could be mm-hmm. some extra um, education from the, the Kikombe Book yeah. of Wisdom. Or it could be <laughs> something from the African daily proverbs that you want to share or just, you know, whatever you want to drop on the audience. This is your freestyle moment. You know, brother, first of all, I want to say that I appreciate you because of what you said. You know, you you mentioned earlier in the first episode, you mentioned that you had to diversify your ideology of the immigrant story, right? And and I cannot lie to you. I feel so guilty that I have listened to your podcast, but I've never given that five stars. (laughs) So this is me. This is me (laughs) showing, don't laugh, this is actually sad. This is me showing remorse because we say that we've got to support the people that we think are giving value to what we what we live with, right? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I haven't done that, you know. And this conversation with you, the more I'm listening to it, the more I'm thinking somebody is going to listen to this, and their life will kind of be transformed. And I'm thinking. Why would that person not be able to come in here and say, you know what, I appreciate you. And it takes a click. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A click. I, I don't need to pay money. I don't need to send you money and say, oh, brother, you've changed my life. White label America. Yeah, throw some money on it. Throw some. No, I don't. All I have to do is go and tell you or even send you a message and say, brother, I listened to your podcast. It opened my life to so many things. I listened to your podcast and I appreciate you. Or I listen to the postcard and I don't agree with this. It's changed my life, you know. Now, if I have to leave with any, anybody who's listening and, 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 and if I have to share something is, if you're listening to this story, one of, one of my biggest philosophy about being a teacher is that you've got to learn something that will make you a better person to the person that you will interact with. We're living in a really crazy time right now, especially 2020, 2021. This is probably the weirdest time that humanity has ever faced. No one knows what to do. Put the mask on, take off the mask. Oh, get the vaccines. Nobody wears the vaccines. But all that the universe wants us to do is to try not to judge other people. When we judge, we create more conflict. I'm judging myself now, and I'm hoping that you don't judge me with the same. I'm hoping I've got it in me to forgive myself for not having to go put in my my reflection of what I listened to from your podcast. Now, as the educator in me, I would like somebody who has ever listened and actually was moved, even if it's for two seconds, to acknowledge that this changed their lives to a certain point. 
I believe in educating people for the purpose of peace. And by peace, I don't mean the idea of not having war, because that is another story for another day. Peace, I mean having a roof on your head because you go to study so that you can become a better person in the society, put the roof over your head or a roof over other people's head. Put food in people's stomach or food in your stomach. Get a, a, a good education so that you can transform people's lives and become a better person in the society for the purpose of being a better person in society. Get good health. And I hope that whatever you learn in here, you and me, my brother Raphael, whatever you learn in here will go and make your health better for days to come. Oh, it will. Trust me, it will. I appreciate yeah. that, my brother. No worries, brother. I appreciate that. Thank you all the way. So, uh, where can people find you and your work if they want to get in touch for those who are just caring about you for the first time? Um, I'm on Facebook, the Kikombe, K-I-K-O-M-B-E, the. Yeah, uh, I'm, same, I'm, I'm, on, I'm, on, <laughs> I'm on Instagram as well as the Kikombe, the K-I-K-O-M-B-E, Kikombe. Uh, that's, that's basically where you can find me. Website is www.dakikombe.com. You can find me in there as well. I'm not sure about my email, but yes, it's dakikombe at gmail.com. Not sure about my phone number. It is not dakikombe. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the website is enough. I'll put the website and the social media links on the, on the show notes and I'll tag. No worries, brother. Post on, uh, I'll, tag, I'll tag both on social media. No so, worries, brother. I've learned so much today, hey, man. I, I really, really appreciate you, man. I re appreciate your team and I, I appreciate the patience that you've had with me. It was it was a crazy day, but I'm here, you know. I've I've written so many hey, sticky notes. I'm not yeah. sure if you can see, but I've got my whole full pleasure of sticky notes. But this is my learning journey. I'm going to call the sticky notes of my hey. white label American hey, podcast we, journey. We love you and we love the wisdom that you bring to the podcast and to the, our community. And it's, it's really great and amazing. So to wrap Anytime, it up, um, everyone listening, we love each and every one of you. Keep the love coming in. Go like. Put that five stars. Write a great review. If you have something negative to say, you don't need to write it on Apple. Just send it to me. I'll read it. If it's not useful, hey, I'll toss it. But send it to me. That's fine. I, I can I can read it. The, the people who do that. That's fine. But uh, yeah, don't forget. Five stars, positive review. Keep the love coming in. Thank you for the privilege of your company. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoy the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.